Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money. So people are messing up my plans and making me spend more time on this week's episode than I had otherwise planned to. That's all right with me because it allows me to respond to real life discussions and debates going on right now, which could be more helpful than most of my episodes that look more at abstract concepts or things out in the future. Also, it might help get me a few more downloads. Also, don't hear me saying that and think, oh, this is the only important episode to listen to. Go listen to all the others as well. There's a lot of great things I talked about in the other episodes and even the abstract things, if you are thinking about them rightly, will work themselves out into everyday life. If abstract things don't have practical effects, then I think we are messing up somewhere when it comes to thinking about those things. So what am I talking about? Well, I had recorded something several months ago that I was saving for a busy week, and since I'm getting married the day after this episode drops, I think that counts as a busy week. But then a firestorm started over some comments that Dave Ramsey made about rent increases. And this is an economics podcast, so I thought I needed to do an episode on it. So unless something else happens that I think needs an immediate episode in response, next week I plan to drop that episode that is mostly pre-recorded. It is a message I gave at my church on these fears of sovereignty several months ago, so it is an important topic to theonomy and one that I have discussed briefly before on the podcast. But Lord willing, next week an entire episode on that will drop. And since much of the work is already done, it will give me more time to spend with my new bride. But before we jump into all that, I wanted to please ask you all to subscribe to the podcast, follow Theana Money on social media, and tell your friends about it. Even send them links to where they can download episodes and listen to them. So if you aren't aware of the current controversy related to rent with Dave Ramsey, well, on his program a week or two ago, someone asked a question about rent. This person is a landlord, and because of inflation the last two years, he has to raise rent on the property he lets out. He also said that the current market prices for properties such as his would allow him to raise his prices. The man felt bad about raising rent, so he asked Dave Ramsey for advice on it. Would raising rent make him a bad Christian, or would raising rent even be sinful for him to do? Ramsey told him that he, as a Christian, has no reason to feel bad about raising rent due to higher costs or due to the market rising. Ramsey gave some personal anecdotes in support with properties that he lets out, including, to use his words, renting with a head and a heart, such as when a tenant of his had cancer and he gave them a break on rent 
for some time because of that. But also making sure the person isn't lying to you with a head and with a heart. Now, I do want to say that I am not that familiar with Dave Ramsey. I personally have never read any of his books, nor do I think I've ever listened to any of his podcast episodes all the way through. I listen to a like five minute clip for what I'm talking about right here. From what I've heard about him, he seems to have some really good stuff and some other stuff that I'd probably disagree with him on. That's the case with most people. So this is not coming from a perspective of loving Dave Ramsey and everything he says, nor one of hating Dave Ramsey and everything he says. Though in this episode, I am agreeing with him and saying that he was right and his critics are wrong. Also, this is an area where I have a bit of knowledge. Both sides of my grandparents have owned rental properties in and around Detroit to make extra income. I've been to a couple of those properties and helped with some work on them. More than that, my parents owned a rental property in Detroit as well when I was growing up and I'd work on it with my dad and I also saw some of the financial side behind that. My parents rented the property really cheap. On the flip side, it was in a not great part of Detroit. If I ever found myself in hard times and wanted to live there for a cheap place to stay, then they would have me move into their basement instead. It was pretty rough there. Also, I own a house in a different state other than Michigan now, so I don't think I'm ever going to fall into that hard times, Lord willing, where that would even be an option. But that also shows there are alternatives for different budgets. If all you can afford is four or $500 a month for rent, you can find a place. You also might need to buy a gun and to not go out past dark, but you can find a place if that's all you can afford each month for rent. All that to say, I have a bit of knowledge about this business from my parents and grandparents. And the conversation about this that I saw was annoying and showed that it seems a lot of Christians these days fall on the side of Ron Sider and rich Christians in an age of hunger, not with Chilton and productive Christians in an age of guilt manipulators. And I plan to do a chapter-by-chapter response to Sider's book later this year, so stay tuned. Some people seem to be claiming that for Christians to raise what they charge for rent would be sinful. There are all kinds of reasons why a Christian landlord might raise his rent. Right now, inflation is a big one. His prices are rising, so the rent he charges must rise as well. He runs a business that has to be productive for him to continue in it, especially if this is his main or sole source of income. He's not running a charity. He can't run his business at a loss. And neither can charities unless they have donors or another profitable side of the business to cover that loss so they can provide discounted goods and services. I worked at nonprofits that do both of those things to stay afloat while they give things away for free or sell them at highly discounted rates. One of them, uh, this was several years ago, had baseball leagues that were really cheap for kids whose families couldn't afford normal baseball leagues. And they offset the loss on that with their bingo hall because apparently bingo is really productive. They made a lot of money off of bingo somehow. I didn't know bingo was that big a deal until I worked there. 
So a Christian landlord is free to raise rent to cover his costs because he's not operating a charity, but a business. That is the first part. He can also raise his rent if he's doing updates to the property. Updates cost money and have to be paid for somehow. They also make the place nicer to live in, so if they're done well, they justify a higher rent. He can also increase what he charges for rent to the level of other similar properties in his area if he's currently below them. He doesn't have to charge a lower price for his service just because he's a Christian, unlike what a lot of people seem to think. Now, perhaps he knows he can get a higher rate for his apartments, but he intentionally charges lower to bring people to his property rather than someone else's because there's a lot of competition in his area. That is good for everyone because it drives competition up and will likely bring down the price for renters in the area over time, or it will force his competitors to do upgrades to justify their higher price, helping their tenants by having nicer places to live. A wise landlord will consider other things when weighing the pros and cons as well. One is that if he raises his rent, he could lose a couple tenants over it. If it takes two months on average to fill a vacant apartment, that is two months where he does not have any income, which is less than the lower income of not raising his price. So maybe he decides that he will increase rent only for new tenants and that previous tenants are locked in at their current rate. Maybe he makes some kind of median where the new tenants pay the new rate, tenants who have been with him for over a year are locked in at the old rate, and then the tenants that have come in within the last year, say, pay part but not all of the new rate in a few months, or they go up to the new rate when they re-up their lease or something like that. He can get creative with it. He doesn't just have like two hard and fast options and that's all he has to think about. He can come up with all kinds of new ways that he thinks helps his tenants and maybe gives him an edge in the market. He can try to do what is best for himself and his tenants, and since there is likely competition from other landlords in the area, what is best for himself, short of collusion or lying about his property or otherwise disobeying God's law, those are probably also things that are better for his tenants as well, because that's how the free market works, and that's why it is a great thing. So those are all different things weighing in objections to the claim that a Christian landlord is sinning by raising his rent. Let's look at the other claims that were made in response to this. Another thing I saw people saying in response to this is that Christians shouldn't be landlords so that way they don't have to get into situations like this. Well, if Christians shouldn't be landlords, who should? A Christian should, because of the Holy Spirit and regeneration and sanctification, be a better and kinder landlord than a non-Christian. I first heard about this whole fiasco when a guy tagged myself and Dustin from Christ and Capital, go check out his podcast, about questions and before I ever saw it, Dustin had already responded with what I'm saying right now. Unbelievers will probably be harsher landlords than Christians, though some unbelievers have much common grace and some Christians have much lacking in their sanctification. But still, there will be landlords in the world, should all of them 
be unbelievers? Do we want only pagan landlords ruling over us, not Christian ones? Or if even unbelievers shouldn't be landlords, then who? Someone has to own the property, and there's only two types of people in the world, believers and unbelievers. Maybe they're thinking the government should be the only landlord. Ah, yes, such a wonderful idea. I'm sure it's been tried before and went perfectly, not horribly. I bet there are plenty of examples in the 20th century where this was tried and succeeded and none where it tried and failed. By the way, all of that was sarcasm. Government being the only landlord is a horrible idea. It sounds a lot like the World Economic Forum's goals for 2030. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy because you'll just rent everything. It also sounds a lot like the Great Reset. So if any Christians were arguing that the government should be landlords, not Christians, they are, whether or not they realize it, arguing for, or at least helping prepare the way for, those things. Great Reset, World Economic Forum, Socialism, all that stuff. But let's take their argument a little further into a reductio to show why it's so bad. If it's wrong for a Christian to be a landlord because they might have to evict someone at some point, and that person might be poor and have difficulty finding a new place, then why should Christians go into any business? Difficult situations can arise in any industry. We live in a fallen world. What about the Christian baker when someone can't afford bread and is about to starve? Now he has a hard decision. He can give this person bread, but he can't give everyone bread for free. Should Christians not be bakers then? Same for Christian butchers because you can substitute meat for bread and have the same scenario. That logic is, whether they realize it or not, trying to push Christians out of just about every market because we live in a fallen world where bad things happen. And if there are no Christians in those markets, then, as I just said, we have non-Christians in those markets who will overall handle those situations much worse. Another thing I saw people do in response to this was to go to an emotional extreme. You would push a Christian family who can't afford the higher rent out onto the street, and that's showing a lack of love for a fellow believer. And showing no love for a fellow believer means that you aren't actually saved. Yeah, I really heard that one. From someone I know, not some random person on social media. So that escalated very quickly, and let's start looking at it. First, that is a very specific situation that does not arise in the vast majority of cases when rent is increased. Second, if someone can't afford to live in one place anymore, then they need to raise their income or move to a place that's cheaper. Third, a Christian landlord, as Ramsey said, must let our property with a head and a heart. The Christian landlord has options, as I said a moment ago, and we are going to look at even more here soon. What we see by that argument I just gave about forcing a Christian family out of their apartment or rented house, and that being unloving and thus a potential sign of unbelief, what we see in that is a lot of binding the conscience. We are being told that the Christian landlord must do this, or he must do that, and to do anything else is sinful. But as I showed you all with the Christian landlord considering raising his rent a few minutes ago, there are a lot of options that are not sinful, not just the one 
they tell us we have to choose when they try to bind our consciences. In fact, there are a lot of other options available to Christian landlords. If I have 10 properties for rent and I need to raise my rent by $100 to cover the rising costs and or improvements to the property, and one family can't afford that extra $100 a month, I have options. If that family is a Christian family, especially if they go to my church, then it can be difficult. But I have options. Don't bind my conscience on one specific thing that I have to do, which they are trying to tell me is to run my business like a charity. And doing that, they are setting up scripture against itself because a man must provide for his family. That is taught implicitly and explicitly throughout all of scripture. You can't bind my conscience by telling me that I have to run my business as a charity that loses money and trust God that somehow I will still make ends meet. I guess God will magically make my bank account numbers go up because I'm choosing to love my neighbor by hating my family. That is foolishness. And in these extreme cases, once again, I have options. There are different things I can do. I can choose to not raise their rent. This is what some of these people want to be the only option, but it is one option among many. I can choose to not raise their rent in exchange for them helping with the grounds. Those are two different things. The one is I can just choose to not raise their rent, period. The other is they can do some work around the apartment complex and in exchange for that work, then I'm essentially paying them for their work by not raising their rent. I can choose to raise the other nine tenants' rent next month and their rent in three or four months to give them a bit of a break and some time to figure out how to increase their income a little bit. An example that Ramsey gave in the video was that if someone can give him a contract showing that they will get a raise in four months and that they can afford the higher rent then, just not yet, then he might let them pay the lower rent amount until that raise goes into effect. Whether he eats the extra rent those four months or lets the person repay the money back over the following year is between the landlord and the tenant. Both options are acceptable as just between the two and what they agree to. One big issue with this is how many Christians don't understand markets and the economy. They think that these business owners are just rich people trying to rip off poor and middle class people and they could charge half what they do right now and still make ends meet. An example of that is when Marcus Pittman said that some lady at a movie theater complained the tickets went up and when the worker explained that their costs went up so they had to raise their prices, she complained that they had a lot of money so they shouldn't raise their prices. That isn't how an economy works. That's just how those promoting socialism, including those who do so under the name of Christianity, and these people need to listen to some episodes of my podcast on that topic. That's just how they try to tell us things are. And those who are not deep thinkers or those who just blindly believe them buy into it. If I wanted to run a business at a loss to help the less fortunate, I'd open up a 501c3 and have donors to cover the losses and pay me so I can do that work full time. That is an option for Christians to do. I've worked at several nonprofits that do just that, and if it weren't for donors or a for profit subsidiary of the nonprofit, 
it would have gone under quickly. But most businesses are not nonprofits. People open up businesses to provide for themselves and their family and hopefully have a little bit left over that becomes the socialist's biggest nightmare. Discretionary income. But guess what? Discretionary income helps the economy as they spend it on things that pay other people's salaries, such as the entire cruise line industry, which would probably go under if people no longer had discretionary income. They also might use that discretionary income to help the poor and downtrodden by giving it away. Even if they don't give any of it to charity, discretionary income isn't bad. It is money they earn by doing honorable work that is over and above what they need to survive, and there is nothing morally wrong about that, no matter what the so-called Christian socialists say. So back to markets and the renting industry. This is a tight industry that often has razor-thin margins. For example, I'm sure a lot of landlords lose money or at best break even the two months of the year when their semi-annual property taxes are due. The rest of the months of the year, the percentage of their income from rent that actually goes into their pockets is pretty low by the time they pay their mortgage if the building isn't paid off and pay all the bills associated with the building, such as maintenance for when things break. Even if you do most of it yourself, like my father did with the building in Detroit he used to rent out, things at Home Depot still add up quickly. If my dad had paid contractors to do all the work for him, he probably would have lost money on that property because his margins were so low. I have heard that landlords in some parts of California have such razor-thin margins that they actually lose money until they pay off the building, and then they are able to make a little bit, and you know how property costs in those parts of California are, so it takes a long time and a lot of money to pay off the property. You have to be rich to even get into the landlord business there. And that, by the way, is because the government got involved in the housing market in California, not just supply and demand and not just because of the socialist evil villain, mean greedy capitalists. Let's put numbers to it. An apartment building costs $20 million. A wealthy investor is able to put half the money down and pay off the rest over the first 10 years he owns the property. For those 10 years, though, he's actually losing $1,000 a month on the property because mortgage plus expenses for the property is higher than what he can bring in even with every apartment filled. More than that lost each month when a few apartments are vacant because he is between tenants. He has to survive off of his other source or sources of income until that apartment building is paid off in a decade, at which point he can start to make money off of it. And all of this is assuming that markets don't change and he's able to keep the building close to full at all times. Try telling me that guy is only trying to raise rent because he's out there trying to make it rich. He's trying to not go bankrupt. A.D. Robles made a video in response to what Ramsey said, and he said that Christian landlords, like Christians in all business, should try to make as much money as they can while obeying God's law, which includes things like not lying to people, not stealing from them, or not trying to rip them off. 
Try to make as much money as you can while still obeying what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you think the Sermon on the Mount supports socialism, then I think I need to do an episode on that sometime. By the way, A.D. was agreeing with Dave Ramsey. I hope I didn't make it sound like he was disagreeing with him from the way I worded that. And what A.D. said there was actually a good thing. And Matt Williams has said similar things. High profits brings in more competition to a market. If I raise my price to market level, and market level is determined by many factors, more than just myself, despite what those criticizing Ramsey might say, market level is the equilibrium point where supply and demand cross at a certain price point. If I raise my price to that level, and that level now is pretty high, has a pretty good return on investment, then other people will see that and enter the market with me. That higher competition will either raise the quality of the good or service, or it will reduce the price. At least one of those competitors will try to get a better product than me at a similar price, or an equivalent product to mine at a cheaper price. That's what people do when they try to take market share from someone else. That's why competition in a market is good for everyone. And I could probably say more here, but like I said at the beginning, I'm really busy this week and had not intended on recording a whole new episode. So I think I said enough to answer the criticisms and then gave some good economic lessons there at the end as well. One last thing I want to say. God made the economy. By that I mean the laws of economics by which every nation that has ever existed or ever will exist is bound. God created the laws of economics, and he also inspired the Bible. If we make one contradict the other, then we are saying that God contradicted himself. So that was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. Satisfies me, your law is sweet, oh you say.